Experience a full mind, body, and spirit approach to living your best life. Learn how to achieve optimal health, wealth, and happiness. This is your journey to wellness and abundance. You are listening to Mind Over Matters with your host, Dr. Amy harris Nuon of the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness. Everyone, welcome to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy harris Nuon. I'm a double board certified integrative clinical psychologist, master success coach, author, and speaker. I have a postgraduate concentration in functional health and wellness. So my goal is to educate and empower all of you as it relates to, you know, simple principles of living a life by design. Maybe it's about, you know, being happier in your relationship. Maybe it's about uh, improving your physical health. Maybe it's about, you know, uh, creating a better experience for you at work. You know, it's really, you know, important to take a holistic approach to your life, to look at all areas of your life, you know, really drill down what it is that you want for yourself, what it is you want for your family, and then uh, set about uh, identifying the steps to create that uh, life path for you. So the goal of the show is to get you thinking differently about how all these areas of your life can be dramatically improved by taking a different perspective on that. And so to that end, you know, I want to start by asking, do you want to be happier? You know, is that even possible? Do you want to feel better about yourself and your place in the world? Well, on today's show, I'll be discussing a recipe for happiness, and it's based on an article by Matthew Hudson, who is the author of The Seven Laws of Magical Thinking. Matthew, thank you. So I think we can all agree that this living business can get kind of tricky at times. I mean, yeah, we live atop uh, of the evolutionary scale, you know, as humans, but I think we can all agree that we're, we're pretty fallible, we're mortal, you know, we're faulty. You know, all too often we tend to get in our own way. The thing is, I think it's important to realize that we need to act on the world as it is, but we filter our experiences through our own perspectives and, and feelings, however skewed and limited they are. You know, the good news is most of us end up learning a thing or two along the way. So today I would just want to offer some insights for living more successfully. So, you know, the goal is to get you, you know, again, equipped with what you can do to think differently about your life and, and, and how to take a different approach. So I want to start by the first thing you know that I, I feel is under you know important is understanding that not everything that happens to you is about you and this is something I spend a lot of time talking to my clients uh, about you know bad things happen to good people as it said but not everything that happens to you is about you certainly it may have a personal effect on you but it's not about you you know we we tend to be stars of our own movies right and everything you know in the world is is the backdrop as they say you know our partner's mood may you know dip uh, the company's market value shifts uh, maybe we're caught in traffic it's human nature to experience all of this through the lens of how it affects us personally but this slanted sense of reality you know isn't really the reality it may be our reality but it's often known as the egocentric bias You know, social psychologists say our tilt to egocentricity is deeply ingrained because it helps us maintain a coherent narrative of the events in our lives. And the more we personalize experiences, the more relevant they are to us. And only relevant memories stick around over the long term, what we sometimes call autobiographical memories. These memories are all we have and all we are. You know, they tend to be the foundation of our identity. But even so, it's essential to recognize the egocentric bias for what it is. It's an illusion. It's an adaptive illusion. Certainly, I would agree to that. But there will definitely come a morning when, you know, maybe your boss will will barely acknowledge you or you won't get the job you thought that was in the bag. Maybe you find that, you know, things are changing, you know, where you work or in your family. And you take it personally. You feel baffled, offended. Maybe you're even irate and outraged. You know, you'll be sucked into your own emotional state, you know, to to nurse these perceived wounds, perhaps even acting on them, when all the while, it's probably not about you in the first place, all right? That's that egocentric bias. At the very least, that egocentric bias causes us to misread others to make assumptions. It undermines our ability to be empathic and tolerant, and it traps us in a bubble. You know, we tend to waste a lot of emotion, a lot of mental energy recovering from insults that were never targeted us in the first place, for example. Not everything that happens to you is about you. You know, to live a life that's less reactive, you know, more directed, it's necessary to put the ego in its place. I like to say our ego is not our amigo, right? So we can cognitively prompt ourselves to recognize that our own point of view isn't the only one 
or necessarily the best one, you know, we can then see situations with more clarity and approach them more effectively. You know, helps us to maintain a state of equanimity, if you will. You know, we may even see the wisdom in others' points of view and can often learn from that, you know. There are some situations in which such ego shifts occur naturally with little effort. You know, they tend to be those sublime experiences that, that peak are defy comprehension. You know, I, I was traveling in, you know, up in Maine, you know, this past weekend with my partner and just to take in the sheer beauty was just really breathtaking. You know, that's, that's an experience of stepping out of our ego. Maybe you hear one of Brahms concertos or, 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 or moms, you know what it's like to give birth to your, your, your children. You know, uh, maybe you're contemplating the universe or maybe, you know, you're you're trying to understand, you know, the, the world's great philosophies or religions. You know, what all of these do is it subdues the ego and, the, and it widens our perspective, you know. And studies also found that memento mori, reminders of the impermanence of life, also displace the self from center stage. And when we do that, it increases our happiness. How many of you have had the experience where you're out in nature? or you're hearing this beautiful piece of music and you're just transported to some other realm, that, that's really, you know, uh, sets the stage for us to experience the awe and the wonder and the joy is when we step outside of ourselves, we really do get an opportunity to widen our experience. So uh, keep in mind, you know, understanding that not everything that happens to you is about you. You want to shift away from the egocentric bias. Then... It's important to focus on other people without dwelling on how they view you. How many of us get caught up in, you know, worrying about what other people think of us, you know, and, 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 and we come by that naturally. We're taught, hey, you know, what are the neighbors going to think? You know, what's your teacher going to think, right? You know, so we come by that naturally, but, but then it becomes a way of thinking. It becomes an ingrained thought process, and it really, you know, uh, sets the stage for us to be anxious, uh, uncertain, insecure, so that's really the corollary to the egocentric bias, you know, is the spotlight effect. If you live life as the star of your own show, you'll almost automatically assume that everyone is watching you closely, you know, and as the center of your own universe. And I'm here to tell you, you're not the center of the universe. <laughs> but when we when we think of ourselves as the center of our own universe, uh, you naturally start to believe that you're also the center of everyone else's universe. And, and, and sometimes I share this with my clients, you know, I'll gently say, it's, it's, it's not all about you. You know, you think people are thinking about you, but guess what? They're too busy worrying about what you're thinking about them. So, you know, keep that in mind. The consequence is that in your interactions with others, you might find yourself thinking less about them, right? You can't really be fully present and engaged and more about how you appear to them and what they must think of you. You know, uh, are you displaying confidence, competence, awkwardness, agitation? It really doesn't matter. The evidence shows that the spotlight is not quite so bright. People do not notice us nearly as much as we think they do, okay? We're important, but we're not the center of the universe. So, you know, I want to share with you one study in which participants who wore an embarrassing shirt, actually, you know, uh, it had the image of Barry Manilow on it, and, and Greg at my office likes to listen to Mary, Barry Manilow, and I tease him, hey, change that. I'm not a fan of low. But in this study, you know, shirts had the image of Barry Manilow on it, and uh, participants were asked to guess how many people would notice. And the truth is fewer than half of the estimated number were aware of the Barry Manilow shirt. And similarly, an experiment on group dynamics found that people assumed that their contributions, as well as their little verbal flubs and, and, and gaffes, registered more with others than they actually did. Okay, So the spotlight effect it extends beyond external events. People routinely believe that their internal state is known to others, and it's not. We're not mind readers. When subjects were asked to practice a deception, for example, they radically overestimated how much of their deceptive intentions they, quote-unquote, leaked through their behavior. So when we care a little less about our curated self-image, we open the door to interacting more genuinely. We can let down our guard. Others, you know, may respond in kind, focusing less on their own self-image and open up. And it's, it's in this way, really, that moderate self-disclosure can inspire emotional reciprocity. So the spotlight becomes more like a floodlight, expansive and shared. So step outside of yourself, you know, um, realize that not everything that happens to you is about you, and also realize that you're not the center of the universe. Stick around. When we come back, we're going to be talking about more simple strategies to, to create a delicious recipe for happiness. You're listening to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy harris Newon. 
The Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness's clinically proven treatments repair and regenerate damaged tissue, restoring normal function. The procedures were easy, comfortable, and left me feeling pain-free. I can dance, run, and jump again if I want to. Three decades of pain in my back and neck injuries I suffered in active duty. The doctor has me nearly 100% pain-free now, and I never thought that was possible. Trust the thousands who got their life back. Book an appointment today. Do you or a loved one suffer from depression and medications just aren't working? or the debilitating side effects associated with most antidepressants make them impossible to take, we can help. At the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness, we offer transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS. TMS is a safe and effective, drug-free treatment option that can dramatically improve your quality of life. In fact, the majority of our clients experience a significant improvement in mood, with many achieving complete remission. TMS uses MRI technology gently stimulate areas of the brain that are underactive in people suffering from depression. TMS is FDA approved for the treatment of depression and has also been shown to be effective in treating other mood disorders like OCD, PTSD, and anxiety. TMS therapy is covered by most insurance companies, including Medicare. If medications aren't working for you now, chances are they never will. Let us help. Call the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness at 630-980-1400 for an immediate consultation. That's 630-980-1400. Or visit us online at thecifhw.com. Everyone, welcome back to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris Nuon. You're listening to our show, Recipe for Happiness. If you've just joined us, we've been talking about some some simple shifts in our perspective that can really put us in a position to live a happier, more satisfying life. So thank you for tuning in. If you've missed any of it, you can catch a podcast on this great station, or you can check us out on our website. It's dramyandassociates.com. It's D-R-A-I-M-E-E and associates.com. If you've got questions, comments, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email personally. It's Dr. Amy at dramyandassociates.com. Uh, if there's some something you'd like to hear on a future show, I'm definitely open to that. It's Dr. Amy at dramyandassociates.com. Hey, speaking of living a life by design, I want to invite you to take control of your health. So uh, I want to invite you to our upcoming Dinner with the Doc series, Stress, Hormones, and Health. It's Thursday, October 25th, 6.30 p.m. in our Bloomingdale office. If you've ever imagined yourself being able to lose that weight and keep it off, we can help you do it. You know, maybe you're your wet's end trying to get rid of it. You know, you've done everything, quote unquote, right, dieting, exercises. I'm going to teach you how that, you know, hormone imbalances, whether you're a man or a woman, can actually, you know, uh, cause you to gain weight and prevent you from losing weight. You'll also learn how hormone imbalances affect your sleep, your food cravings, your ability to burn fat or not burn fat, and why counting calories doesn't work ever. And I'll also teach you the biggest mistake that people make with their exercise that actually prevents weight loss. So uh, reservations are limited. It is a dinner talk, so bring your appetite. It will be a good, healthy, wholesome dinner, I promise. Uh, but you'll need to call us, 630-980-1400. Again, 630-980-1400 to reserve your seat at Stress Hormones and Health. It's Thursday, October 25th, 6.30 p.m. in our Bloomingdale office. So we've been talking about this recipe for happiness. And really, it's about creating a shift in our perspective. You know, I, I started the show saying, you know, it's important to keep in mind that not everything that happens to you is about you, right? Even though it may have an impact on you. And also it's important to focus on other people without dwelling on how they are seeing you, right? Because uh, you're not the center of their universe and they're not the center of your universe, I'm sure. I think it's also important to realize that you don't have to act the way you feel. How many of us have just, you know, really, really lost it? I know I'm certainly guilty of that. There have been times when, you know, I've lost my, you know, cool and my emotions have gotten the best of me, but you don't have to act on the way you feel. No one feels good all the time. You know, although there are strategies, there are perspectives you can you know, adopt and practice so that you feel pretty darn good most of the time, right? But no one feels good all the time. We suffer disappointments and sometimes just outright conflict and opposition. Some days require a lot more effort and energy than we you know, have. 
you know, sometimes we disappoint ourselves on something that matters to us, you know, or events happen that absorb us in sadness or consume us with anxiety or fear, uh, those kind of things. But we're not transparent. The knowledge that we inherently misperceive the degree to which people notice us and misjudge us uh, or misjudge the extent to which our states of mind are somehow visible to others, you know, uh, confers on us the opportunity to preserve our dignity, our privacy, our self-respect when we're not at our best. You know, people can't see through us. If, if you're anxious or angry, you know, people aren't necessarily going to be able to see that. You know, you want to be, uh, of course, mindful not to mistreat people. Right. This is what you know, I'm talking about here. But we don't have to contaminate our interactions with our own state of mind. You know, but how is it then that we can be gracious when feeling moody and, and irritable? You know, how after an ego blow do we hold back that defensiveness or that aggression or that anger? Right. Sometimes I just feel like I just want to kick my desk. I don't. Right. Because I'll probably <laughs> break toe or something like that. But, uh, you know, uh, we don't have to let our feelings show. We certainly have a responsibility, in my humble opinion, uh, not to take something out on others uh, if it has nothing to do with them. You know, and it's interesting to note that in recent years, the psychological technique of self-distancing has gained traction as an effective means of, of regulating our emotions. Uh, the idea, explains Ethan Cross, who's the director of Emotion and Self-Control Lab at the University of Michigan, says it's to it's, it's, it's to process one's feelings from an outsider's point of view. So, for example, imagine that your mind contains more than one self. And no, you're not schizophrenic. You know, if, this, if the self that reasons through the negative experience, you know, on paper, out loud, silently in your head, whatever, has a different voice from the one that experienced it, the bad feeling doesn't feel so immediate. You know, that distant self can give the suffering self the mental space to react to a bad experience less emotionally. I, I like to call it, you know, the little coach on my shoulder, right? You know, we think more clearly and have more control over the way we act. Um, uh, Cross identifies several ways to use this, quote unquote, lin linguistic jujitsu, jiu sorry about that, to shift mood and behavior whenever you want. A pep talk works well when couched in the same language you'd use to counsel other people. Uh, using your first name uh, uh, or the second person pronoun you, like Amy, come on, get a, get a grip, you know, it's not about you, uh, rather than usual I or me, um, those kind of things. Um, use of the word you or, or one in the universal sense is also helpful, cross notes, and we sometimes even use it unconsciously as a way to normalize and make meaning of experiences. For example, if you work for a misogynist jerk, you've got to expect problems, you know. But the more emotionally intense the feeling is in the moment, Cross says, the better self-distancing works, you know. Just think about it, say, all right, Amy, you know, come on, get a grip, think this through, you know, what would so-and-so, you know, uh, uh, advise you to do? So realize that you don't have to act on the way you feel, okay? And then be able to reframe disappointment and adversity. And as I said, bad things happen to good people, right? To give a job interview all you've got and really feel like you've nailed it and then to learn that you didn't get the job, it's a disappointment. It's not a crisis. To learn that someone that you really, you know, trust and value on your team is maybe moving on to a better opportunity certainly is a disappointment, but it's not a crisis. So you want to keep those things in perspective. We want to be able to reframe disappointment and, and adversity. You know, uh, if you were to throw a party and it's, you know, people don't show up, yeah, it's not an occasion for depression. It's a disappointment. It's a setback. You know, maybe you're reprimanded for arriving late to work. You know, you know, it, it's it's maybe an indignity, but it's not a reason for you to quit your job, right? The most resilient people give themselves mental latitude, the space to see their setbacks as opportunities to learn and to grow. I like to say that, you know, I have a very, very divine team at Dr. Amy Associates. Everyone on my team shares the vision, you know, but I understand, you know, people, you know, will give different uh, opportunities to grow and to, to honor and serve others. That's not about me. It's about them taking an opportunity that's going to enhance their life and allow them to make an even greater impact. So that's not a, that's not a failure. It's not about me. It's about, you know, uh, the opportunity for them to grow. So, you know, again, the most resilient people give themselves some mental latitude and see their setbacks as opportunities to learn 
learn and grow. I like to say that I've been fortunate. We always, you know, um, find a way to add to our team with, with, with people, you know, that, you know, have even broader skill sets and more compassion and, and a deeper commitment. So, so we always trade up, but I always want to be grateful for who's on our team. So it's, it's not about letting disappointment get in your way. It's about, you know, uh, being grateful for, for what you have and then putting that disappointment in perspective, right? People who believe failure is an, you know, is an event, not an identity, do much, much better. Social psychologists recognize that although people may differ in their inborn ability to tolerate stress, mental fortitude can certainly be a learned uh, skill. You know, uh, every Buddhist knows in, in mindfulness techniques actualize the knowledge that emotions are not an accurate reflection of reality. In fact, there's no such thing. Feelings are no more than passing clouds, in my opinion, and, 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 and so are flops and fiascos, right? Resilient people don't define themselves by their adversity. They, they understand that bad times are temporary, right? And uh, that same self-distancing tools that work to improve mood and self-regulation of emotion can also be used to bolster resilience. So stick around. When we come back, we're going to be talking more about being able to reframe discipline appointments and adversity. You're listening to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy harris A complete solution for your joint pain is here and without surgery. The Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness's clinically proven treatments repair and regenerate damage, restoring normal function, even walk out the same day. It's the only treatment center in Illinois offering a one-year guarantee for this procedure. Trust the thousands of patients who got their life back. Call us today or visit thecifhw.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris-Nuon, integrative clinical psychologist, author, speaker, and coach. You're listening to our show, Recipe for Happiness. If you want to be happier, it is absolutely possible. If you want to feel better about yourself and your place in the world, it's absolutely possible. We're talking about uh, 10 shifts in your perspective that will act as a recipe uh, to increase your happiness and your self and life satisfaction. So we started the show by, you know, just, just saying, you know, it's important to understand that not everything that happens to you is about you. And then it's important to focus on other people without, you know, being caught up on how they're viewing you, all right? And, and then it's important, too, to realize that you don't have to act the way you feel. And with that, one of the skills that will allow you to, you know, be able to reestablish a sense of emotional equilibrium is being able to reframe disappointments and adversity. Uh, as I said, every Buddhist knows and mindfulness, uh, mindfulness techniques, you know, really, you know, cement this knowledge that emotions are temporary. I like to remind my clients that, you know, thoughts and feelings are like clouds. They'll, they'll come in, you'll notice them, but just let them move out. Okay. You know, we talked about the self distancing uh, techniques, the tools that work to improve mood and your ability to regulate emotion can also be used to bolster your sense of resilience. Um, uh, researchers recommend calling upon your distant self, sometimes called your second person self to ask and answer questions about failures or disappointments that bother you. So let's just say you're disappointed, you know, maybe you got some bad news at work, you know, the other day and you're asking yourself, you know what, um, is there something I did? No, because it's not about you, right? You're not the center of other people's universe. Is there something I should know? Is there, you know, a different way I should be handling this? Sometimes I like to ask myself, hey, Amy, what's the best way to handle this situation? You know, and, 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 and if I don't know at that moment what's the best way, that's a cue to me to give myself more time to get clarity on it. But, you know, ask yourself, you know, uh, questions about failures and disappointments. You know, ask yourself, you know, was that situation under your control? You know, what could you have done differently? What could you have done better? And if the same thing happened to a friend, what would your advice be? How is this, you know, uh, particular incident going to affect you in a month, a year from now? And the truth is, you know, when we stop to think about it, it's like, yeah, you know what? I'll have someone else on board in, 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 in a week or less. You know what? Uh, this season is going to pass. You know what? This argument with my spouse, you know, let me just step and acknowledge, you know, uh, my role in it and let's focus on moving forward because most things are just temporary, right? 
You know, in the telling, you know, you actually recast the setback as a strengthening experience, a form of cognitive reappraisal, if you will, a reframing, we sometimes call it. You know, you may even come to recognize how you tend to knock yourself down with the usual cognitive culprits, catastrophizing, right? That's, you know, uh, viewing everything in, in the absolute worst possible way, uh, overgeneralizing, well, he's just a jerk, he's always been a jerk, blah, blah, blah. Personalizing, you know, everything's about you, how could he have done that to me? Engaging in polarized black or white, all or nothing thinking, and certainly jumping to conclusions. We all, we all do this. But, you know, as Hamlet said, there's nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so. It's our perspective, really. So using imaging techniques, actually researchers have observed that subjects' brains, you know, when they do this, uh, they, you know, they practice their, you know, reappraisal event. The reasoning medial prefrontal cortex, I know that's a mouthful, becomes particularly activated, and the overactive emotional amygdala actually calms down, and that's mental fortitude in action. You can actually, by, by reframing your perspective, you can actually, and we can see this on scientific uh, equipment, um, you can see the brain structures, you know, being activated and deactivated uh, in, in concert to your, you know, reframed thinking. So it's really quite powerful. Next, know how to solicit honest feedback. I know this scares the heck out of some people. It's like, I don't really want to know what other people think of me. What if, what if they tell me something that, you know, I can't handle? What if they tell me something that I really don't want to hear? But knowing how to solicit honest feedback is really, really important. There are two types of people in the world, observes organizational psychologist Tasha Urich, author of Insight. There are ones who think they're self-aware and the few who actually are. And to complicate matters, there are two types of self-awareness, you know, she points out. Internal, which is how we see ourselves and our own values and passions. And external, which is how others view us. And only the latter, how others view us, can tell us the the tale we're telling is boring or that no one trusts us because, you know, we're, you know, maybe sucking up to the boss or whatever. So external self-awareness allows us to be more in sync with others. It makes us more effective leaders because, you know, we can have more empathy, which comes from understanding other people's perspective. And if we knew how others uh, actually perceived us, we wouldn't be so blindsided by criticism or interactions that, you know, maybe, you know, go awry for what seems to be no apparent reason. You know, other people, including those who don't know us well, are often better predictors of our future behavior, Uh, Eurek says. It may come as a surprise, she adds, but people high in introspection don't necessarily have high external self-awareness. In fact, there's often an inverse correlation because in asking, quote unquote, why our interactions go wrong, we tend to make up answers that aren't actually true. And the life skill to work on here is having the temerity and humility to ask others specific questions about how they perceive you. You know, life isn't all about you. It's not all about me, but you still need accurate knowledge of how you're perceived. You know, Yurik recommends selecting as many as five quote-unquote loving critics who'll give you a good read, including friends as well as co-workers or employees. You know, just ask them questions like, hey, what am I doing that I should keep doing? You know, what am I doing well? You know, what should I stop doing? Or, you know, what is it that you think, you know, I might maybe able to do better? You know, what is it about me that annoys you? Those kind of things. The knowledge can actually shake up your sense of reality for sure. But afterwards, kind of take a break, you know, uh, process that information, really take time to, you know, consider the feedback, do a little self-reflection because your self-awareness might not be, again, it's it's that egocentric bias, right? It might not be the you that you think other people, you know, are, are, are perceiving. So really, Know how to solicit honest feedback and then have, you know, the openness, put your ego aside, have the openness to consider doing things differently. Okay. And then stay true to your own values, you know, even despite what others expect of you. This is our compass. This is what guides us through our life, our our morals, our values, our ethics, right? That helps keep us on purpose. So staying true to your own values, despite what others expect of you, is a key ingredient in that recipe for happiness. You know, your own needs and values, they absolutely matter. You know, if you don't reasonably accommodate them in all that you do, you'll be setting yourself up for a life of regret or resentment. You know, it's often said, when you don't know where you stand, you'll fall for anything. And that is true. A life of meaning requires the thoughtful 
exercise of your passion and your skills. And that, of course, really, you know, uh, obligates you to discover what they are and equip yourself to be able to uh, use them or deploy them. And knowing how others see you or what they expect you to be doesn't mean you have to change anything. Okay, you're in control. The challenge is that, you know, what we want for ourselves, again, that internal self-awareness and what others expect of us, that external self-awareness, aren't always well-defined. It really is a balance. Sometimes it even feels like a tug of war. And you need enough internal self-awareness to pull back if you feel like your, your values are, 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 are being undermined or they're being threatened. So again, you need enough internal self-awareness to be able to, you know, pull back and reflect. And when everyone expects you to take over the family business, for example, you know, you can be confident that what you really want is to join the Peace Corps in rural uh, Malaysia. Yeah, you got to be able to do that or, or that you don't want to have children ever. Some people never want to have children. You know, for example, the skill here involves reconciling two concepts of selfhood, the part of us that, that knows its own desires and passion and remains, you know, stable over time and the part that derives meaning and identity from a social context, which by definition is always in flux, right? They're, 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 they're not entirely separate, of course, but unconsciously we try to live up to the expectations of others, including parents, teachers, right? Uh, our partners, uh, um, those kind of things, uh, friends, right? The, but the, the, here's the thing, though. The weaker our internal self-awareness is, the more we may care about, you know, only about how we appear to others and the struggle to discern what we want for ourselves and what they want from us, you know, uh, uh, becomes intensified. We become pleasers and that's never good for anyone. So stick around. When we come back, we're going to be talking about, you know, how you can continue to stay true to your own values despite others' expectations of you. You're listening to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris-Nuan. you or a loved one suffer from depression and medications just aren't working, or the debilitating side effects associated with most antidepressants make them impossible to take, we can help. At the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness, we offer transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS. TMS is a safe and effective, drug-free treatment option that can dramatically improve your quality of life. In fact, the majority of our clients experience a significant improvement in mood, with many achieving complete remission. TMS uses MRI technology to gently stimulate areas of the brain that are underactive in people suffering from depression. TMS is FDA approved for the treatment of depression and has also been shown to be effective in treating other mood disorders like OCD, PTSD, and anxiety. TMS therapy is covered by most insurance companies, including Medicare. If medications aren't working for you now, chances are they never will. Let us help. Call the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness at 630-980-1400 for an immediate consultation. That's 630-980-1400. Or visit us online at thecifhw.com. The Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness's clinically proven treatments repair and regenerate damaged tissue, restoring normal function. The procedures were easy, comfortable, and left me feeling pain-free. I can dance, run, and jump again if I want to. Three decades of pain in my back and neck injuries I suffered in active duty. The doctor has me nearly 100% pain-free now, and I never thought that was possible. Trust the thousands who got their life back. Book an appointment today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris-Nuon. You're listening to our show, Recipe for Happiness. If you're just joining us, welcome. If you've missed any of the show, you can catch a podcast on this great station, or you can check us out on our website, dramiandassociates.com. It's D-R-A-I-M-E-E-N-Associates.com. If you've got questions, comments, or have an idea for a future show, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me directly at dramy at dramiandassociates.com. Hey, so I want to invite you to our upcoming Dinner with the Doc Wellness Talk titled Stress, Hormones, and Health. It's Thursday, October 25th, 6.30 p.m. in our Bloomingdale office. If you've ever imagined yourself being able to lose that weight and keep it off, I want to tell you it's absolutely possible. So in Stress, Hormones, and Health, we talk a lot about, you know, um, how hormone imbalances, whether you're a man or a woman, uh, can cause you to gain a lot of midsection uh, fat and prevent weight loss, even with dieting and exercise. You'll learn how hormone imbalances affect 
affect your sleep, your carb cravings, your ability to burn fat or not burn fat. I'll talk to you about why counting calories never works. I'll teach you the biggest mistake that people make with their exercise that actually prevents weight loss and sometimes actually causes them to gain weight. And you'll learn how the stress increases the fat-storing hormone cortisol and, and really understand how all of your hormones work together, you know, whether you're struggling you know, with you know, stubborn you know, uh, weight or, or belly fat or you're struggling with you know, uh, diabetes or thyroid disorder. It all comes back to stress hormones and health. So seating is limited. It is a dinner talk. I promise we'll feed you really, really well. Uh, but seating is limited. So you'll have to call us to reserve your seat. 630-980-1400. Again, 630-980-1400 to uh, join us Thursday, October 25th, uh, 6.30 p.m. for Stress Hormones and Health Dinner Talk. So we've been talking about you know, the ingredients, this recipe, if you will, for happiness. And, you know, I left off saying, saying that it's, it's, it's really important that you stay true to your own values despite others' expectations. There's a huge risk of just wanting to, you know, please people. And people pleasers, one, they're, they, they're almost never liked. Uh, two, you know, it comes with such resentment and, and frustration for almost all parties because the reality is you can never please everyone all the time. And if you're sacrificing your own values or ethics, that sometimes is a cost that can't be recovered, right? So it, it really is important to know that, you know, you have to stay true to your values. People high in both internal and external self-awareness are best at navigating, you know, these competing expectations between self and others. You know, they value uh, their true self, the authenticity and integrity, and they know what they want to do. And they illuminate it, you know, uh, with other perspectives. For example, you know, I, I talked about, you know, being open to soliciting feedback from others. These people, you know, tend to be very, very picky. Uh, Tasha Yurik says in her book insight right she says singling out uh, just those they trust so when it comes to their desires and aspirations they may confide in only a, a select few who want them to succeed but Yurik points out that self-knowledge is acquired by taking in overall trends and patterns of your behavior not the input of any one person it's great to have a confidant right but if all you have is that one perspective in your perspective you're bound to make those same uh, mistakes and and you're at risk then of compromising your values Values, right. So, you know, ask yourself, what do you really want for yourself? And when doing this introspection, you know, Tasha Yurik recommends a sidestepping emotionally charged why question, right? Because why questions tend to ask about our motives. And I would recommend that you don't ask other people why questions either, because that's a question that gets people defensive. Again, it's as though you're questioning their motives, right? Instead, ask more productive questions. What, for example, what don't I know that I'd like to know? What am I not doing that, you know, I could, you know, uh, be doing instead? You know, uh, how should I be doing this differently to be more effective? Or what can I do better the next time? Those kind of things, right? As the philosopher Lao Tzu said, at the center of your being, you have the answer, okay? Next, we want to talk about being open to new information or revised thinking. It goes along, you know, the same lines of being open to feedback and, and, and reframing. But the world doesn't stand still, right? Everything is in flux. Buddhists call it perpetual flux. Situations change, right? Available information changes. However much, you know, we get emotionally attached to our own decisions, our goals, our dreams, whatever. However much we're attached to our opinions and perspectives, you know, uh, however they want may have served us, there comes a point at which, you know, that constancy, you know, uh, can just erode. It can curdle up into rigidity. Whatever you, f uh, whatever you find at the center of your being, you don't want rigidity, right? You don't want to be closed-minded, hardened. But that happens to many of us over time, reports University of California Berkeley psychologist Allison Gopnik. You know, she actually conducted an experiment in which preschool-age kids and grown-ups encountered a toy they'd never seen before. Both age groups were taught how to turn the toy on and make music, either by using a single block or a combination of blocks. Later, everyone got a chance to try to make the, the toy work with a new set of blocks. But only the little kids were able to disregard their existing knowledge and tinker with the new combinations to make the toy turn on. The grown-ups tended to doggedly adhere to their own original instructions, even if they no longer worked. They didn't revise their thinking at all 
all. They were rigid in their perspective. As we get older and accumulate knowledge, we tend to become, you know, kind of like that, right? We learn a principle and then become constrained by it. New information that conflicts with existing knowledge is harder to take in. Unless we can find a way to make it conform to our own preconceptions, we actually run the risk of rejecting it. It's known as confirmation bias. And that's how our political views become so fixed. For example, we fail to readily adapt to strange environments and new technologies. And with age, your neural flexibility actually seeds, you know, uh, ground uh, to efficiency. We want to do things better or more efficiently, but that sometimes gets in the way of being open to new learning and new perspectives. Yet cognitive flexibility can actually be taught. It can be trained and, and even regained with, with, with exercise, with practice. And for starters, there's a physical activity. Uh, it, uh, it increases the blood oxygen levels, which may lead to synaptic plasticity. Then there's the mental training that Gopnik recommends, uh, working on how to face new problems like a novice. It's not only about trying new things, she points out, but making forays into areas that are far from your base of expertise. You know, psychologists, you know, try Coding, for example, coders try fiction writing. You know, everyone study or work abroad for a bit. Take some time to open your mind and open your experiences, uh, if you're able to do that. Curiosity did not kill the cat. Curiosity should prevail over mastery. And ironically, Gopnik notes, not caring about the outcome can actually make you more exploratory and ultimately more effective. For, for example, for a proper demonstration of cognitive flexibility in action, she recommends hanging out with four-year-olds. Although. In my opinion, that would require a lot of energy, although I'm sure they're sweet, right? (laughs) Um, But mental flexibility also has a very situational side. Studies show that people are more apt to change their mind when they feel good about themselves. They're they're more apt to be open-minded. And at the same time, the more people feel threatened in any way, the more likely they are to cling to their beliefs, especially if those views align with those groups with which they identify. So it's really, really important to give yourself permission to be curious, Give yourself permission to learn. Give yourself permission to think about things in new ways because not only does it allow you to be more emotionally resilient, that that cognitive flexibility, but allows you to then be able to experience new possibilities, you know, again, stepping outside of that ego self. So mental uh, flexibility is key. It's a key ingredient to being able to, you know, establish or reestablish a sense of happiness and, 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 and satisfaction in your life. Okay, so stick around. When we come back, we're going to be talking more about recipes for happiness. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris-Nuon. You're listening to Mind Over Matters. We'll be right back. Do you or a loved one suffer from depression and medications just aren't working? Or the debilitating side effects associated with most antidepressants make them impossible to take? We can help. At the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness, we offer transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS. TMS is a safe and effective, drug-free treatment option that can dramatically improve your quality of life. In fact, the majority of our clients experience a significant improvement in mood, with many achieving complete remission. TMS uses MRI technology to gently stimulate areas of the brain that are underactive in people suffering from depression. TMS is FDA-approved for the treatment of depression and has also been shown to be effective in treating other mood disorders like OCD, PTSD, and anxiety. TMS therapy is covered by most insurance companies, including Medicare. If medications aren't working for you now, chances are they never will. Let us help. Call the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness at 630-980-980. 1400 for an immediate consultation. That's 630-980-1400. Or visit us online at thecifhw.com. A complete solution for your joint pain is here and without surgery. The Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness's clinically proven treatments repair and regenerate damage, restoring normal function, even walk out the same day. It's the only treatment center in Illinois offering a one-year guarantee for this procedure. Trust the thousands of patients who got their life back. Call us today or visit thecifhw.com. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris Nuon. I'm a double board certified integrative clinical psychologist with a postgraduate concentration in functional health and wellness. I'm also an author and speaker. You're listening to our show, Recipe for Happiness. If you've missed any of the show, you can catch a podcast on this great station or you can check us out online. It's dramyandassociates.com. It's D-R-A-I-M-E-E and associates.com. If you've got questions, comments, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email personally. It's Dr. Amy at dramyandassociates.com. Hey, I want to invite you to join us for Stress, Hormones, and Health. It is a wellness dinner talk on Thursday, October 25th at 6.30 p.m. in our Bloomingdale office. You'll learn how hormone imbalances can distort your body, your midsection, uh, set you up for a large belly and actually prevent weight loss, even with dieting and exercise. You'll learn how hormone imbalances can affect your sleep, your carb cravings, your fat burning, why counting calories doesn't work. I'll teach you the biggest mistake that uh, people make with exercise that actually prevents weight loss and may actually cause them to gain weight. And you'll learn how the stress hormone cortisol can actually wreak havoc on your life and your body. So I'll teach you what really works for permanent uh, weight loss. Uh, Permanent loss of that belly fat and bulge is a safer, non-life-threatening approach uh, to health and wellness. But seating is limited. 630-980-1400, 630-980-1400, 630-980-1400, 630-980-1400 to reserve your seat for stress hormones and health. It's Thursday, October 25th, 6.30 p.m. in our Bloomingdale office. So we're talking about this recipe for happiness. You know, it's based on an article by Matthew Hudson, who's the author of The Seven Laws of Magical Thinking. And we're talking about really 10 strategies or 10 ingredients really that involve taking a different perspective to increase the likelihood of happiness and being able to sustain happiness and satisfaction over the course of your lifetime. So I want to invite you to consider mastering a fail-safe way to motivate yourself, uh, one that works when your interest flags. Do you remember on previous shows I talk about interest and motivation has about a two-week shelf life. So remember how Tom Sawyer got his friends to paint his aunt's white fence? He made the chore seem like so much fun that they they bribed they bribed him to let him do it again. That internal drive that little kids have that no one, you know, makes them want to do what they want to do, not out of necessity, but from pure interest, is called intrinsic motivation. It's the gold standard of, of prods, really. When our interest or our efforts at motivational whitewashing fall short, we struggle to get ourselves to do what we need to do. You know, money is scarcely a universal motivator. Ask anyone suffering from burnout. They'll, they'll tell you, yeah, I make great money, but if I keep going, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, uh, I, I make a, a great, you know, living, but, you know, it's how much is it really worth if I have a heart attack or if I'm stressed all the time and I can't sleep? You know, the link between compensation and motivation is complicated. But studies show that money often robs people of satisfaction. Yeah, we all want more of it, you know, because it allows us to do more things, right, and have greater opportunities. But it's not the end all and be all. You know, ter- you know, money, you know, as I said, can rob people of satisfaction, turning, you know, enjoyable activities, you know, into downright chores. You know, done, uh, as it's often said, money doesn't buy engagement, you know, emotional and psychological engagement. The act of writing down, you know, how the drudgery will end with a success, say, uh, you know, a raise and a promotion, or a visualizing the triumph and all of its detail have actually been shown to activate areas of the brain linked to reward. You know, some people can incentivize themselves with just the thoughts of, of competition. They actually make a game of things. They they gamify a task, for example. You know, they have peers hold them accountable or imagine an opponent succeeding, you know, this internal drive. Second person self-talk, as we referred to uh, uh, earlier in the show, is, you know, our coach in the head. And that has value too. You know, uh, you can crush this, you know, you got this. When I'm giving a wellness presentation, I'll take time to pray and I'll take the time to meditate that, you know, I give a presentation that's well received, that it's informative, it's educational, it's relatable, it's enthusiastic. And I'll say, all right, Amy, you know, you got this, you're going to nail this. You know, it's that internal self self-talk, you know, and studies find that phrasing is even more potent as a question. For example, you know, can you nail this, Amy? Well, hell yeah, I can, you know, I'm going to do my absolute best. You know, the idea is to recast the task as an interesting challenge, which if all goes well, tape, 
uh, taps into that intrinsic motivation. But for many of us, the most useful skill is to get the proverbial ball rolling. And, and for that, you need to rely on habit. You know, say you wake up at 6 a.m. to work out, not out of passion, but of habit. You dive into a document, not always because it's riveting, but because it's routine. You know, just 20 minutes, you tell yourself, and you'll move on to something else. Just do it, Amy. Just go work out, and then it's done. Then you'll feel better. And then more often than not, a magical momentum takes over. It's often, I often tell my clients, do the thing and you'll get the energy to do the thing. Just get moving, right? This is not about the carrot and the stick. It's about the that determination to take a step and then another and then another until you start to hit your stride. Do the thing and you get the energy to do the thing. And then that, that sense of satisfaction, you know, uh, naturally results. Sometimes the pleasure is actually in the process, like working out for a lot of people. Uh, people who know how to make their inspiration rather than waiting for it to come on them connect even the most onerous tasks to greater purpose for the for the least inspiring items on their checklist they set micro goals you know put in 20 minutes you know for a sense of progress and momentum they learn to value the the succession of the small steps not just the triumphant outcome remember i said it's who we become in the process right and then zone in on your purpose in a zoned out world as mark twain said the two most important days in life are the day you're born and the day you discover the reason why so purpose however hinges on self-regulation the ability to resist impulses in the service of our long-term goals. Unfortunately, an entire generation is coming of age that's absorbed in Facebook and other social media that actually undermines self-regulation, right? Fully grown adults, for example, are no less immune to the dings and pings of feedback that make smartphones so compelling. You know, you may want big ideas, but if your attention is jerked away constantly, you know, those big ideas, they're, they're not coming. There's no time to process anything on a deeper level, right? There's no time for being creative, right? So young adults, you know, can maintain focus on important work now only for like two to four minutes on average uh, before they feel, you know, compelled to check emails, texts, or social media. And it can take up to 20 minutes actually to get back on task. So the more hours students spend media multitasking, the lower their grade point average, for example. And even a single check-in on Facebook during focus sessions predicted a lower grade. So um, zone in on your purpose in a zoned out world. And then finally... Learn how to tolerate ambiguity. You'll never know exactly what you're missing out on, but you can't know for sure what the other side is thinking during negotiation or what your date or partner really thinks of you, right? You'll never know whether the decisions you make today are the best ones or what you may have sacrificed in making them, or for that matter, you know, where they'll lead ultimately. So what's more is the speed of events today increasingly demands that we make decisions in the absence of definitive information. All of us who are in a, uh, you know, a situation of having you know, to hire a new employee know this, right? Um, nor will you ever know everything about your partner, despite being a surefire fuel of anxiety, uncertainty is a condition of life. So tolerance for ambiguity comes at the expense of clarity, right? But the rewards are rich when we're more able to easily shift gears, experiment, be more flexible, take in new information that we'd otherwise reject and let a situation develop before pulling the proverbial trigger, you know, we're better able to handle risk and to make decisions without deluding ourselves into thinking that we know everything there is to know. And in the end, we're less anxious. Total certainty is at its best an illusion, right? The most effective strategies for increasing comfort with uncertainty, especially when a decision has to be made, would have us look beyond the here and now. Ask a person who made a hasty decision to explain or write about the consequences and her desire for clear-cut closure actually diminishes. Clarity, we come to realize, develops best over time. Perhaps this explains the finding that a tolerance for ambiguity increases after reading fiction. Stories pull us out of the present moment as well as out of our own minds and mindsets. You know, it was the novelist Margaret Drabble who, who memorably observed, when nothing is sure... Everything is possible. So I want you to keep these, you know, these 10 ingredients, you know, in mind as this, this, this recipe for happiness. Because when we learn how to shift our perspective, our whole entire life can change. If you, you know, want to work with a good coach or therapist that can help you increase your happiness or shift gears in your perception, I want you to call us 630-980-1400. Again, 630-980-1400. It's, it's, it's our great pleasure to you know, be able to bring you this information, but it's also a pleasure and a privilege to be able to work with you on helping you to create the ingredients for happiness in your life. So thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris-Nuon. Thanks again.